War and Peace. Book 8. Chapter 18. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Book 8. Chapter 18. Marya Dmitrievna, having found Sonya weeping in the corridor, made her confess everything. And intercepting the note to Natasha, she read it, and went into Natasha's room with it in her hand. "'You shameless good-for-nothing,' she said. "'I won't hear a word.' Pushing back Natasha, who looked at her with astonished but tearless eyes, she locked her in. And having given orders to the yard-porter to admit the persons who would be coming that evening, but not to let them out again, and having told the footman to bring them up to her, she seated herself in the drawing-room to await the abductors. When Gabriel came to inform her that the men who had come had run away again, she rose, frowning, and clasping her hands behind her, paced through the rooms a long time, considering what she should do. Toward midnight she went to Natasha's room, fingering the key in her pocket. Sonya was sitting, sobbing, in the corridor. "'Marya Dmitrievna, for God's sakes, let me into her,' she pleaded. But Marya Dmitrievna unlocked the door and went in without giving her an answer. "'Disgusting, abominable! In my house! Horrid girl! Hussy! I'm only sorry for her father,' thought she, trying to restrain her wrath. "'Hard as it may be, I'll tell them all to hold their tongues, and will hide it from the Count.' She entered the room with resolute steps. Natasha, lying on the sofa, her head hidden in her hands, and she did not stir. She was in just the same position in which Marya Dmitrievna had left her. "'A nice girl, very nice,' said Marya Dmitrievna, arranging meetings with lovers in my house. It's no use pretending. You listen when I speak to you,' and Marya Dmitrievna touched her arm. "'Listen when I speak. You've disgraced yourself like the lowest of huzzies.' I'd treat you differently, but I'm sorry for your father, so I will conceal it. Natasha did not change her position, but her whole body heaved with noiseless, convulsive sobs which choked her. Marya Dmitrievna glanced round at Sonia and seated herself on the sofa beside Natasha. It's lucky for him that he escaped me, but I'll find him, she said in a rough voice. Do you hear what I am saying or not? she added. She put her large hand under Natasha's face and turned it toward her. Both Marya Dmitrievna and Sonya were amazed when they saw how Natasha looked. Her eyes were dry and glistening, her lips compressed, her cheeks sunken. "'Let me be! What is it to me? I shall die!' she muttered, wrenching herself from Marya Dmitrievna's hands with a vicious effort and sinking down again into her former position. "'Natalie!' said Marya Dmitrievna. I wish for your good. Lie still. Stay like that, then. I won't touch you. But listen. I won't tell you how guilty you are. You know that yourself. But when your father comes back tomorrow, what am I to tell him, eh? Again Natasha's body shook with sobs. Suppose he finds out. And your brother. And your betrothed. I have no betrothed. I have refused him, cried Natasha. That's all the same, continued Marya Dmitrievna. If they hear of this, will they let it pass? He, your father, I know him. If he challenges him to a duel, will that be all right, eh? 
Oh, let me be! Why have you interfered at all? Why, why? Who asked you to? shouted Natasha, raising herself on the sofa and looking malignantly at Marya Dmitrievna. But what did you want? cried Marya Dmitrievna, growing angry again. Were you kept under lock and key? Who hindered his coming to this house? Why carry you off as if you were some gypsy singing girl? Well, if he had carried you off, do you think they wouldn't have found him? Your father or brother or your betrothed? And he's a scoundrel, a wretch, and that's a fact. He's better than any of you, exclaimed Natasha, getting up. If you hadn't interfered, oh, my God, what is it all? What is it? Sonia, why? Go away. And she burst into sobs with the despairing vehemence with which people bewail disasters they feel they themselves have occasioned. Marya Dmitrievna was to speak again, but Natasha cried out, Go away, go away. You all hate and despise me. And she threw herself back on the sofa. Marya Dmitrievna went on admonishing her for some time enjoining on her that it must all be kept from her father, and assuring her that nobody would know anything about it if only Natasha herself would undertake to forget it all and not let anyone see that something had happened. Natasha did not reply, nor did she sob any longer, but she grew cold and had a shivering fit. Marya Dmitrievna put a pillow under her head and covered her with two quilts, and herself brought her some lime-flower water but Natasha did not respond to her. "'Well, let her sleep,' said Marya Dmitrievna, as she went out of the room, supposing Natasha to be asleep. But Natasha was not asleep. With pale face and fixed, wide-open eyes, she looked straight before her. All that night she did not sleep or weep, and did not speak to Sonia, who got up and went to her several times. Next day Count Rostov returned from his estate near Moscow in time for lunch, as he had promised. He was in very good spirits. The affair with the purchaser was going on satisfactorily, and there was nothing to keep him any longer in Moscow, away from the countess, whom he missed. Marya Dmitrievna met him and told him that Natasha had been very unwell the day before, and that they had sent for the doctor, but that she was better now. Natasha had not left her room that morning. With compressed and parched lips and dry, fixed eyes, she sat at the window, uneasily watching the people who drove past, and hurriedly glancing around at anyone who entered the room. She was evidently expecting news of him, and that he would come or would write to her. When the Count came to see her, she turned anxiously round at the sound of a man's footstep, and then her face resumed its cold and malevolent expression. She did not even get up to greet him. "'What is the matter with you, my angel?' "'Are you ill?' asked the Count. After a moment's silence, Natasha answered, "'Yes, ill.' In reply to the Count's anxious inquiries as to why she was so dejected, and whether anything had happened to her betrothed, she assured him that nothing had happened, and asked him not to worry. Marya Dmitrievna confirmed Natasha's assurances that nothing had happened. From the pretense of illness, from his daughter's distress, and by the embarrassed faces of Sonia and Marya Dmitrievna, the Count saw clearly that something had gone wrong during his absence. But it was so terrible for him to think that anything disgraceful had happened to his beloved daughter, and he so prized his own cheerful tranquillity, that he avoided inquiries and tried to assure himself that nothing particularly had happened, and he was only dissatisfied that her indisposition delayed their return to the country. End of chapter 18